Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. My Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today I will be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We thank you, Lord. For this series, Father, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that there would be clarity today and not confusion. I pray, Lord, that as we speak about these things, that your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts and that we would not just gather knowledge in our heads, but it would become part of who we are because that is the purpose for your word, to turn us and and make us and uh, uh, allow us to become more like you. So, Lord, I just pray that you would use me to deliver this word And that as we preach the word, the Holy Spirit would come upon those that hear it. And that we would not just be hearers of it, but doers in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So we're in a series called This Is That. So last week, my uh, beautiful wife ministered on Mother's Day. Did an excellent job. And um, I believe she's going to minister again for Father's Day. She asked me if she can, and I was like, yes, but you know, I can't let her minister too much because then people don't want to hear me anymore. So, you know, because she's, she's a much better teacher and, and preacher than I am. So, but uh, she will be. And then we also have another guest speaker in June, and I'm going to leave that one there. I won't tell you what that is or who that is or anything. So, but we're going to continue here. Uh, we did the first two parts of this series, and now we're doing This Is That Part 3, which today we're going to cover healing. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute and let you know that we're only going to cover a certain part of this message on healing. And what I'm doing is I'm clearing up or attempting to clear up what the world sees as this healing ministry. We've gotten so far away from it. We were singing today the blood, the royal blood. You know, there's churches that have removed the word blood from everything that they do because they say it's too gory and disgusting. We don't talk about the blood because blood, blood is like, there's no power without the blood. A drop of that blood hit the ground and the entire earth shook. (laughs) There's power in the blood. So what's happened is we've misrepresented some of these things. We've uh, 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 talked about these things, the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit. We've done certain things uh, the church has in the name of the Holy Spirit. That wasn't the Holy Spirit at all. And we've created this branding problem that I like to call a branding problem in the church. And uh, I want to read Acts chapter 2 before we continue into healing. Acts chapter 2 verses 12 through 16 is our reference scripture for this series. And it begins like this in verse 12. Amazed and perplexed. Fascinated is one of the... They were fascinated They asked one another, what does this mean? They're talking about the Holy Spirit come upon uh, uh, at the upper room and they were all praying in tongues. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. 
Then Peter stood up. You can almost replace that. Then Johnny stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is that. That's the name of our series. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. He knew exactly what to say because they were surrounded by Jews. And these people knew, their, they knew the Old Testament. Yeah. They knew the prophets and the things that they had said. So he, of course, to clear everything up, he's going to use what they know. And he's going to mention what Joel said, the prophet. This is that. And that's what we've been doing. Because, uh, as I mentioned, there's a branding problem on some things. Next week's going to be, uh, we're going to end the series next week with prosperity. Nobody went, whoo-hoo, right? After next week's message, the week after, we're all going to drive Mercedes. And we're all going to drive, I was talking to Gabriel, we're all going to, I'm going to, I want a Denali truck. I've been wanting to buy a truck, they're just way too expensive, right? A brand new one. $135,000 $135,000 or something, right? GMC Denali. It's like the Cadillac of trucks. I want one of those. So after next week's message, we're all going to go buy new cars and, and move into bigger houses, right? And that's the branding problem that the church has about money. So we're going to change that next week. We're going to explain that, explain that next week. So Peter stood up and stopped the mocking, and that's what was going on. When the world doesn't understand what's happening here, or they've been misinformed about what's happening in the church, they mock and they make fun and they stay away. You know how many people that I invite and I tell them, you know, do you know, oh yeah, I know Jesus, but I'm not going to church, they're just after my money. They think that. Or you guys, are you guys Pentecostal? You guys holy? Yeah, we believe in 50 days after uh, the Passover that the Holy Spirit came down. That's what Pentecost means. Well, you guys are those holy rollers that pray in tongues and roll around and bark like dogs and yell and scream and all that. You know, yeah. (laughs) Easy now. (laughs) I was watching a a video of camp meeting. Uh, Papa Hagen was still alive. Uh, I call him Papa Hagen. That's what all the students called him when we were in school. Uh, Brother Hagen, he was still alive. And uh, he's preaching and he read a scripture and he's walking along the front of the church like that with the Bible. And this guy stands up and starts going, and then the whole place went nuts. Everybody was going crazy. I was like, man, we've been part of those, you know, and running. They used to run. It was, you know, a big auditorium. They would run the whole auditorium. I'll tell you a quick story. We had uh, uh, the dean, when I was in school there, was Dean Yoder. He was raised uh, Mennonite. That's where Yoder comes from, right? Or Amish, uh, one of those two, pretty much close to <laughs> the same thing. But he, he was, the pastors used to sit up on the, on the platform up there. They had these chairs or whatever, and the dean would sit up there. And uh, so the, the pastor, I remember, I think it was just Pastor Hagen, and he's preaching, and and the Holy Spirit came down, man, and people started laughing. And we were laughing a little bit, you know, and then it kind of went away. And then this one guy that always sat in the front wore these loud clothes and loud ties and would do circles and fall on the ground and everything. And, and they pretty much let him have his fun, you know. And uh, he took off running. 
And we're like, oh boy, here we go. And we're thinking, this is going to be awesome. Everybody's going to take off running. But he took off running with his eyes closed and ran right into the wall. Boom, full speed. Boom, hit the ground. And Yoder, Dean Yoder, fell out of his chair laughing. And I'm thinking, that guy should not be laughing. Somebody needs to check on that guy. Call an ambulance or something. There's probably going to get blood on the carpet over there because something's going on. And he felt, and then the whole place went nuts. And I'm thinking, are we laughing at that guy or are we laughing because the Holy Spirit came down, right? So, but you can't, when it happens to one, it happens to all, right? Because the Holy Spirit is not going to move on one and make somebody else uncomfortable. Isn't that true? Come on. So he, he doesn't play favorites. So we went through the Holy Spirit. We're talking about healing. And then next week, we're going to talk about money in the church and prosperity. And we're going to clear up some of these things. So Christianity has a branding problem. People have rejected church and Christianity based on bad information. Let's talk about healing. Lord, help me do this without confusion. So there's two extremes, right? One of them is the confessionist approach. Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. If you're sick, then there's something wrong with you. You must be in sin. Number the second extreme is the cessation cessationist, which is uh, a, this approach comes from a belief that it, they no longer miracles no longer happen, people don't no longer get healed, which is neither of these are biblical. Miracles happen in the Bible, but they don't happen today. Is is that second one? What brings confusion to the subject of healing is what we have all experienced and heard, a testimony, or have experienced miracles of healing in our own lives, and then we've experienced times when things didn't happen like we wanted them to. We've had both of those experiences where we've seen people die from something that we prayed for, and then we've seen people receive. And what do we want to do as human beings and as I'm going to include myself, so don't get mad at me. As selfish people that we are, what do we want to do? We want to blame somebody else. God must be choosing who to heal and who not to heal. That's from the pit of hell. God chose who to heal. Everyone. He determined that on the cross. He can't bring a promise of healing through the stripes on Jesus' back, and then turn around and make somebody sick. He would be contradicting himself and lying about his own promises. Faith for healing does not come from other people's experiences or testimonies. And that's what happens. We look and we say, look at what happened there, and look at what happened there. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And what we do is we take somebody's experience, we put our faith in that experience, and then you get exactly what you get. Instead of believing in what the Word says, which is that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed, He is the Lord that healeth us. We're going to cover some of those scriptures in a moment. But one of the, the scriptures that I... Well, let me, let me say this. So answering the why for those that don't get healed, right? it's not always about what it is. Sometimes answering the question is about what it's not. Think about that for a minute. Sometimes we can answer a question not by telling you this is the answer to it. This is what it's not. God is not choosing who to heal. God is not 
determining that this one deserves it and that one doesn't. Sin does not determine whether you get healed or not. Does it keep you from being able to have faith? Yes, because you feel unworthy. That has nothing to do with God. But Jesus never went and told people. In fact, I can give you a few stories before we get into it. I'm trying to lay a foundation so that you understand where I'm coming from because I'm going to say some things and then you, I don't want you to think that I'm uh, 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 contradicting what I'm trying to, to teach here this morning. But uh, the Pool of Bethesda, how many of you know that story, right? The Pool of Bethesda. So Jesus walks up to the Pool of Bethesda and um, yeah, we call it the pool. Some, in some translations it says pools, like there were several of them. And there are all these people, sick and lame, and, and waiting for the angel to touch the water so that they could jump in. First one to get in uh, uh, gets healed that day or that, at that moment, right? So there's a man, he's paralyzed, can't get into the water, right? And Jesus walks up into this patio of pools or this area. And he walks up and if you were there and your faith was in the fact that I'm going to get into this water as quickly as I can, as soon as the angel uh, uh, touches the water or it moves, you're not going to take your eyes off that water. Right. You're going to focus on what you're not. I don't care what's happening. The place could be burning down. I'm waiting. Right? right? There could be bombs going off. There could be people lying dead around you and you're going to. Because you're waiting, you don't want to, if you turn around, oh, I missed it, oh, I got to stay sick another week or whatever. But this man had no chance of getting in because he was paralyzed. He couldn't get himself in. So no matter how much he looked at the water, it wasn't going to help him. So Jesus walks up on this man on a place full of people that are sick. And the man looks up at him and Jesus says, what do you want? He couldn't get the attention of anybody else. Because they were all looking at the water. Their faith, their belief system was all based on the, on the stirring of that water. But this man had nothing else. When he looked up at Jesus, he says, pick up your bed and walk. And he picked up his bed. He, did, he put his works to his faith. Not the other way around, by the way. He put his works to his faith. Oh, let me explain that now, right? <laughs> Sometimes because we have faith in our works. Well, I did that and it didn't. No, no. Because I have faith in what it says here, then my works reflect that. And what happens is, well, I, I, I did this for three minutes, and I did my works, and nothing happened. I still have tennis elbow. Right? <laughs> I got it from fishing. It's still called tennis elbow. It should have been called fishing elbow, because I used to cast with this hand, and you know, when you have a bait caster, you cast this way. And, and you think that because you did that, or you jump around, my knee, oh, I got a bad knee, let me jump. And then you have faith in the jumping rather than in faith that God's going to heal you, whether you jump or not. Right. So this man had, could not have faith that he was going to get into the water. He was paralyzed. He looks up at Jesus, and because he put his faith in the Son of God, in the living Word, he was able to be healed. And Jesus, being led by the Holy Spirit, that's a gentleman, did not force that healing upon anybody else in that, in that patio full of pools because they, they were all looking. So Jesus didn't heal everybody, even though everybody there was sick. See, God is not looking to and fro across the earth to see who needs something. He's going to and fro across the earth to see who has faith because he can only move according to your faith. 
bring me that blind man over there. The disciples, he's been blind since birth. What did his parents do? Religion. What did his parents do? He says, no, man. He was born that way for this moment right here, that our God could be glorified. And he healed him. Didn't ask him if he was a Christian, a Jew. Didn't ask him what he believed. Didn't ask him if he was atheist, if he was a drunk. If he, didn't ask him any of those things. How many times he'd been married? He didn't, nothing. He just says, what do you want? And what do we do? We think that we have to earn some type of uh, 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 righteousness to get God to do something for us. That's not how that works at all. At all. So I can tell you what, it is, what healing is not. Healing is not a result of your sin. Death is. <laughs> I can't get into that now, but if you know your word, you know. James 5, verse 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Woohoo! Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Oh, let them call upon the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered, come on, in faith will make, that's a big word, will make the sin person well. The Lord will raise them up if they have sinned. They will be forgiven. Therefore, that's the big one. Confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, you could read through that and say, yes, I have faith. But if you read through there correctly, you realize that he's asking something of us. Righteousness is a gift. But a righteous life is lived by you. Right? I am given right standing with God. But I need to live a righteous life. That's on me. God's not going to make me do that. The righteous person, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. A prayer offered in faith will make. There's no doubt there. So three observations in this particular scripture. God still heals people. Now, we're going to cover more of that on June 11th. I'm going to do the second part of this. We'll have a healing service, and we'll be praying for people. And we can pray for people today also, but uh, uh, we're not limited to June 11th. But we are going to be ministering a word of faith on healing uh, and, and finish this up in a way that uh, will lift your faith and allow you to receive. So Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then why, God? Why aren't all people healed? Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That scripture is also, uh, uh, the spirit of resurrection lives inside of you and it quickens your mortal body, mortal body, the flesh and blood. The power to heal lives inside of you. I'm going to say something here. and Every time I say this, I usually get a little bit of flack from somebody. or it's, you know, People always look at me funny. But God has done everything he's ever going to do for us. He already did it. 
Well, why don't we experience it? Because it takes your faith to cause it to come to fruition in this realm. In the spiritual realm, you're already healed. In the spiritual realm, you're already provided for. In the spiritual realm, man, if you could see yourself in the spiritual realm. But all that is manifested into the natural realm by our faith. So he's already done all these things. See, we don't like those kind of teachings about faith because then it puts the responsibility on us. You pray about something and two minutes later you go, I can't believe it. I tried it. That's the problem. You tried it. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, spent all her money on doctors, did everything that she possibly could. She was at the end of her rope, had no other choice but Jesus. And she made a confession. If I just touch the hem of his garment, maybe I'll get healed. That's not what she said. If I can make it through the crowd as weak and tired as I am, especially a woman with an issue of blood that I shouldn't even be in the city, according to the laws, I shouldn't even be here. If I'm going to push through there anemic and tired, and if I could just touch the hem of his garment, maybe that'll work. That's not what she said. If I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And she touches the hem of his garment, and he says, power has left me. Then Jesus leaves goes to heaven and sends us that same power that that woman experienced and he put it inside of us. He was that power incarnate walking around the earth. But then he said, you're going to do greater things. Why are we going to do greater things? Because it's not going to be one person running around with the power. It's going to be the church running around with the power. Greater, greater things, greater things. We already have the power to heal and be healed living in us. The question is, do we have the faith to manifest that power? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. What do we do? We run to, to, to uh, uh, scripture when we need something rather than being... <laughs> I know, I, I, these are the examples I use and forgive me, but you know, if, if you have a gun... And you're protecting your house with that gun, right? You, you don't want anybody to break in or whatever. And, and uh, there's laws and everything you have to do. And, or if you carry a gun, let's, let's do that better. You carry a gun. You have a, a carry license. I have a carry license I'm not currently carrying right now. I used to carry up here. Nobody knew that. But uh, uh, I have a carry license, and I own, I own some guns. Uh, I like the sport, and, and I keep it in, the, in, the, in a certain place that it's locked and everything in my house. We have grandkids running around. I don't take any, any risks with that. But the one that I do have that I'm going to use that's in a, in a safe uh, is loaded with one in the chamber because this takes a moment <laughs> to do. I don't want to spend any time going like this if somebody's coming after me or my family with a gun or with deadly force. I want to be able to protect myself. Now, I don't put that on anybody else. If you don't believe in guns, great. That's fine. I understand that. We, didn't, we went 30 years without anything in our home, and my wife went shooting one day. She says, we need to get a gun, and then I went nuts. I was like, ah, finally, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But it's the same thing with faith. 
You can't run around with an unloaded gun, and then when you need it, go and find a, a, a bullet, put it in there, you know, or, or find a, a magazine, put it in there, and then cr- by that time, you're done. Keep your faith loaded. Keep it loaded for any moment that any time that you need it, it's there. You don't have to build it up. You don't have to work on it. You don't have to, it's there. It's ready. How do you do that? By hearing and hearing and hearing, right? Not just hearing. This word hearing means to actually plant seed in your heart, to put it in your subconscious. I'm reading a book, uh, The Subconscious Mind, The Power of a Subconscious Mind. And I'm only like, I've been reading for like a month now. I'm only like chapter three or four because it's really difficult. Uh, he's a clergy, he's a pastor, and he became a doctor. And, and uh, uh, he's explaining faith, but he explains it from a, a scientific and spiritual way. So he uses words I don't like, but I change them. Uh, it's really a good book. But when he talks about the subconscious mind, what he means is your heart. Right. And this is my favorite part that I've read so far. He says, in your mind... Up here, in this mind, there's debate. You can debate whether things are true, whether they're not true, whether it's actually happening, whether it's not happening, whether it's truth. Somebody, I can preach you a word, and if you keep it up here, who can talk you out of that more, better than anybody else? Yourself. You can talk yourself out of anything. Right? So in here. But when it becomes part of your subconscious, when it becomes part of your heart, there is no debating. Once it's here, it's truth. It accept, it's accepted. No longer can it be changed or no longer. But how do you do that? By staying in the word. We want to show up with some magic wand. You know, sometimes people come in for, for counseling and they come in and sit and they tell me what they're going through or whatever. And, uh, you know, and then I tell them, okay, we're going to go through some process here and here's a book and, and we'll see you next week. He goes, oh, no, no, I'm not coming back. I just wanted to come in today. So I open my drawer and I look and I say, man, I don't know where my magic wand is, but I usually keep it right here where I could just wave it over you and you'd be fine. That's not how that works. You spent years of trauma, years of issues, years of doing this, years of doing that, years of staying away from God, and you want somebody to. That's not how that works. I'm sorry, I know. It's not very encouraging, Pastor Rick. Why are you preaching this today? Because the world sees something, and we've been telling them something that is not true. And they don't want anything to do with it because they come in here thinking, I'm just going to get healed. And sometimes they do. It only takes faith of a mustard seed. But you know, it takes the same amount of doubt to take that away from you. If I took a glass of faith and put a little drop of, you know, doubt in it, it would still, it would, there would no longer be faith. If I took a huge glass of water and put a little bit of strychnine in it, it's just a little drop. Go ahead, drink it. We're not that kind of church. There's no snakes in the back. Right? Here. You wouldn't drink it. It's the same thing. Faith has to be faith has to be faith without any doubt. The same way that the faith of a mustard seed without doubt is the same way that a little mustard seed of doubt, doubt can ruin that faith. So faith comes by hearing. Isaiah 53, 5. Watch this. And I know many of you have read these two scriptures, and I'm going to read Isaiah 53 where the, the prophet mentions some things and some promises. And then in 1 Peter 2, 24, it's mentioned again. He's quoting the prophet. But uh, listen as I read this. Remember, a prophet is looking into the future. He's, he's already there. A prophet, when he's prophesying, he's speaking of something that he's already in. 
He's already, when John uh, writes uh, the, the book of Revelations and he's having these visions, he's there. He's already there. So here, uh, the, uh, Isaiah is speaking as a prophet into the future, and he says, but he was, what? He hasn't even been born yet. But he was wounded, past tense, for our transgressions. He was bruised, past tense, for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So everything's past tense till he gets here. He says, by this we are healed. He's prophesying about what's about to happen. Now, here goes 1 Peter 2.24. Who himself bore, past tense again, our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were, were, were. <laughs> I heard R, so I'm like, I'll make sure that we have the right scripture. Yeah, were. It's already a done deal. Well, how come I'm not healed? You got to apply faith to that. You got to believe what it says here. I'm already healed. I walk by faith, not by sight. That sight is all the senses. We're going to cover that in just a second. So God is more concerned. So the, the three observations of the scripture that I read earlier out of Romans is uh, uh, God still heals people today. We see that in Scripture. God is more concerned about my soul. Now, this is where I don't want you to, 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 to I don't want to lose you, okay? So what I'm, what I'm not saying here is that God uh, 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 puts uh, uh, sickness on you or, or anything like that to uh, teach you something or to, right? But God has a priority list, and we see that in the friends that bring in the, the, the paralytic through the roof, right? And bring them before Jesus. And Jesus says, would it be better that I heal you or that I forgive you of your sins? Now, the answer to that is to be forgiven of your sins. I would rather be paralyzed here on earth for a few years and go to eternity in heaven than to be fine here for a few years and go to eternity in hell. It's, it's like a no-brainer, right? But Jesus asked that question not as if he needed to be answered or that he was only going to do one, because what does he do? He does them both. He heals them and he forgives them. But he's asking the question that, as in, you guys are going to be all astonished at him being healed and getting up out of this bed, but you don't understand. The most important thing is that his sins are forgiven. Even though I'm going to heal him. That's what I'm trying to say here today. So please don't get distracted by some of these things. Matthew 10, 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. As long as we're here on earth in this body, having never experienced heaven, we will only think about earthly things. God has experienced both heaven and earth, and he sees the bigger picture. Trust him. The disciples who walk and talked with Jesus were still earthly-minded. And when they turned from being sent by Jesus to do the ministry, they were excited about the miracles they had done in Jesus' name. And Jesus responds with this in Luke 10, 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Because they were like, we cast out demons. We healed the sick. We did all this. Woo-hoo! We were like, they were all fascinated. We're back to that word, right? Fascinated. But rejoice that your names are written 
in heaven. Those things are important, and they glorify God. That's why he said to the blind man, why do we do this? To bring God glory. Right? To bring God glory. Praise God that he still heals. Praise God that we have experienced his miracles. The greatest of them being in his presence. <laughs> the greatest miracle is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. He is more concerned about eternity. Not that he's not concerned about us here on earth. But get a better perspective about healing. God wants me to grow in faith. Our faith in a walk, our faith is a walk and it grows in the process of life. I, I'm in a different place today than I was 35 years ago. I'm in a different place today than I was 10 years ago in ministry. I'm in a different place today than I was last year. I'm seeing things and being revealed things by God and His Holy Spirit today that I could not have handled 10 years ago. And sometimes you go, what? Show me in your word. Show me, Lord. Right? We are concerned about what happens to us, and God's more concerned about what's happening in us. The difference. We want to go to God for him to do something for us, and God wants to do something in us. Now, me saying that doesn't mean that God is trying to do something in you by putting sickness on you, because that is not scriptural. Right? But if you're going through something, that's an opportunity for you to learn something. I can't get into all. i got to keep going. Uh, <laughs> while we're going through things uh, that we're praying for and believing for, God is still at work, even when you, when you think he is not answering your prayer. Don't give up. That's what happens. We give up. We say, well, God's not really, or God didn't want to, you know, or because of my sin or because of this or because of that. Or we come up with all kinds of excuses why God is not doing what he already did. Yeah. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. But anyone, anyone, say that's me, who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We must always be seeking, not just when we need a miracle. So let's understand this faith we've been talking about. I can't cover this in, in detail, but James chapter 5, 17 and 18. And I've used this before. I love this example. Uh, I'm going to try and go through it quickly because I only have a few minutes. Uh, but I, I, I use this because there's a there's a process that happens here, and there's no formula for healing. Everybody gets healed differently. That's why I say don't put your faith on people's experiences and their testimony. Testimonies are good. They bring God glory. Testimonies are not meant to bring you faith. The Word brings you faith. So when you hear somebody's testimony, praise God, glory to God, thank you, Lord. But that's not how it may happen to you. Oh, I had that disease, or I had that problem, and this is what I did, and how I went through it, and, and what do we do? We think that that's exactly what's going to happen to us. That's not how that works. That's not how that works at all. <laughs> uh, James chapter 5, 17 and 18. Elijah was just a regular old human being, just like you and I, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. You want to talk about faith, controlling the weather? 18, again, 
he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. So naturally, we got to find out how all this came to pass. In these verses, we see the journey of faith that I have been talking about here in, in healing and, and uh, 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 you know, why we get healed. In 1 Kings 17.1, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Say that, at my word. See, Elijah got a word from God, and he was telling Ahab what that word was. Faith begins with a word from God. Now, what do we, how do we get that? Oh, we pray, and we get on our knees, and we pray in tongues for three and a half hours. We go into fasting and praying. It's right here. <laughs> it's right here. Here's your word from God. It's right here. Back then, yeah, they were hearing from clouds, and God was speaking to them, and there was uh, you know, burning bushes talking, and there were all these things going on, and we're like, we're fascinated by this stuff. We want this stuff to happen to us when the power of those things are, don't even compare to the power of what you have sitting in your hand right here. <laughs> all you got to do is believe that this is what God is saying. Faith begins with a word. You can't grow in your faith journey without the word inside of you that God has spoken to you. Where does this word come from? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by again, hearing and hearing and hearing by the word. So while you're on your faith journey and you're not seeing the prayer being answered, keep feeding your faith for the situation and one day it will come to pass. It has to because faith is like a, is a law. Like gravity. You can't jump off the building and float down to the ground. You jump off the building, you're going to hit the ground. Some of us harder than others. Right? Boom, you're going to hit the ground. Because it's a law. It's set into place. Faith is the same thing. I was talking the other day. I think it was, I forgot who it was. Where. It might have been with my wife. I said, faith is, is a law. That's why people go to witch doctors and they go to these things and they do these, these weird spiritual uh, things and they have faith in that and they get healed. At what cost? I go to God, and I get healed at his cost. What he paid for, right? <laughs> Read your Bibles and let it come inside of you until it gives you a word. John 6, 63, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing but the words, the words that I speak... To you are spirit, and they are what? Life. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Get a word from God. See, Elijah was given a word. We were given the word. <laughs> I don't know if you catch that, but that is so much more powerful than what Elijah was doing here. And we're all fascinated by the fact that what happened. And look at what's still happening. It has not rained for three years, just like the word he got from God and he shared with Ahab. 
Now the three years have passed and there isn't even a cloud in the sky. Elijah kneels and closes his eyes and sends his servant to look for any sign of rain. He closes his eyes for the circumstance. In 1 Kings 18.43, we walk by faith, not by sight. Elijah shut his eyes. Go and look. He sends someone else. Go and look toward the sea. He told his servant and he went up and looked. Verse 43, uh, 1 Kings 18.43, there is nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said. Go back. Everybody say that. Go back. That's where we fall short. Oh, Lord, I need your healing. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Oh, man. can't believe it didn't work. I guess God doesn't love me. He doesn't want to heal me. Right, Jim? Not how it works. Sometimes... It's the it's the the hammer, the the you know the the uh, the ha- hammer gun, boom, and it goes right in. And sometimes you have to go back and go back, and that's what we don't want. We used to say, you know, our generation says, "Oh, we're a, a, a microwave people." No, we're TikTok people. Now we're vi- if in seven seconds. Right? Or in 30 seconds, you can't give me a message that changed my entire life. I'm not even going to listen. That's how we are. The other day, I had to rebuke my phone. I got stuck in the reels. Reels. See, uh... An hour goes by, and you go like, what did, what did just happen? I just wasted an hour of my life looking at foolishness. How many times am I going to watch that guy catch that fish? They trick you into watching because you want to see what he's about to pull up out of the water. A snake is going to fight this alligator. And then you watch for three and a half minutes. Nothing happens. Like for part two. No, you caught me in part one. I'm not that stupid. I've already watched once. I'm not doing that again. But yet we don't want to. We don't want to invest in the word on a daily basis for hours at a time, so that it brings up our faith to a place that no matter what happens, I'm going to come out victorious. Because he said so. How do I know he said so? Because I got it in here, it went down to my heart, and now I believe it, and I stand in faith because of it. Simple, right? But we don't want that. We want the, we want the TikTok version of all that. Remember Vine? Vine only allowed you, like, I don't know, like, I don't know. It only allowed you just, to, that's even gone now, right? They don't, that doesn't even exist. It's like seconds. And you want something to to have a beginning and end and some meat in the middle in just seconds. That's not how it works. These people that experienced these miracles lived their life from every moment that they were awake in the Word. And that doesn't mean that you, you have to... That means that you're constantly walking out in faith. You're constantly thinking and meditating and, and, and chewing the cud. That's what meditate means, right? You take a word in the morning and you read it and you, and you just go back and forth in your mind and you, you chew it and you go back and, Lord, what does this mean? I'm trying to understand. Holy Spirit, reveal this to me, right? We don't want to do that. We only do that when things are bad. So we're, we're at Ramah. It was our 
first year, we got there in 99, and I was there from 2000 to 2002. We spent, I spent two years in school there, but we got there in 99. And um, uh, one of our daughters was born with a, a tumor in her pituitary gland in an area where it could not be removed, right? Many of you have heard this story, but here it is again. Could not be removed. It could not be surgically removed. There was no way that anything could happen. Now, we did everything we could. We did everything we could. We took it to all the doctors. We took it to the best. We came out to St. Augustine, to uh, uh, Jacksonville, where uh, the best uh, pediatric neurologist in the world, two French brothers, they saw her, you know, and all that. We did everything that we could. But you know what? I was in the Word in school five days a week, four hours a day, hearing faith, hearing faith, hearing faith, hearing faith. Now, that's not the only thing that Christianity requires of us. We need to do more than just have faith. But that's what they were called to do is teach faith, right? So that's what I was there. I was there to learn faith. And when we had done everything we possibly could, everything, we went and the doctor says, there's nothing else we can do. And they gave us a report that as many times as I have shared this testimony, I never, ever share that report. It never comes out of my mouth. They gave us a report. It was not a good one. And the guy, when I I won't forget, we have done everything we possibly can. And I got a little smirk on my face. The guy thought I was crazy. Did you not hear what I just said? And I said, yes, man has done everything he possibly could. God will take it from here. And today she is healed. That that tumor does not exist. It disappeared. We went back, took another MRI, and the doctor said she's an airhead. I don't know how it disappeared. I don't know how it's not there anymore. And recently, just a few years ago, she started having these migraines again. And we took her. I took her to Jacksonville to the same place. And they took another MRI and everything. And they said, no, it's a nerve in her neck causing these. We'll take care of it. They gave her an injection. The headaches went away. And they looked at that. I told them about the pituitary gland. They looked in there and they said, oh, she's just used the same words. She's just an airhead. Because there's something missing that used to be there. And it's not there anymore. See, God did that. God did that. They got robots that do surgeries nowadays. I had my knee replaced by a robot. I didn't know that until afterwards because I was like, what is this hole in the bottom of my leg? Oh, that's where we had to attach the robots. And nobody told me. I thought I was having a guy going to, you know. Oh, and then the doctor, oh, I control the robot. I said, you're playing video games with my leg. What are you doing? They have robots with lasers and all this stuff, and they still could not remove that. Only God could remove that. And why? Because we stood in faith. And their symptoms continued and continued and continued. And we went to camp meeting after we were here in, in, in Port Orange serving. We went back to a camp meeting. And uh, 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 Brother Hagen was, uh, Pop, uh, Pastor Hagen was up front. And they were doing a healing line. And everybody's being prayed for. I ran up to Children's Church, got hurt, came back down to get rid of the symptoms. And, and the, the service had already started. He had already started preaching. And I went to one of the, the, this is in an auditorium, about 20,000 people in there in, in, in the middle of Tulsa. And I went to one of the ushers and he speaks into like the FBI, you know, he speaks into his thing. And, and uh, uh, I don't know how they talk to him, but uh, Pastor Hagen goes, bring me the girl. So I grab and we go all the way down there. <laughs> she stood between me and him and we hugged each other. And he prayed over her and his son, who's now in ministry there, 
got, had a tumor the size of a fist in his head. They took out half of it, and the Lord healed. The other half was completely, miraculously gone. And he told that testimony while we were praying for her. And I grabbed her hand, and we were walking up the steps. And she looked up at me, nine years old. She looked up at me and said, I want to throw away my headache log because it reminds me of what I don't no, no longer have. We had a headache log that she had to keep track of her headaches. And in my head, I said, your faith has made you whole. See, our faith began the process, but her faith, her own faith of a child caused that healing to come to pass. Faith comes through a word from God. Go back, go back, go back. Faith must continue regardless of what you see. Walk by faith, not by sight. That walk is a journey. That sight is the word for all, your, all five of your senses, not just what you see. Hebrews 10, 35 through 38. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance in what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will, that you will receive all that he has promised, all that he has promised, all that he has promised for in just a little while, who knows how long that is, the coming one will come and not delay and my righteous ones will live by faith, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. God's answer to prayer goes beyond what we even expect, my favorite part. 1 Kings 18, 45 and 46. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away into Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab. Let me go back a minute. I didn't read the, the one before that. It says... I'm not going to go there, but we're almost out of time. But he says, he went the seven times. And what happened in the seventh time? He goes, hey, Elijah, you know, I, I did see something, but it's really insignificant. I, I saw a cloud. I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. I just saw this little cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah stood up from his posture of prayer and said, here comes the storm. Uh, uh, Elijah, don't, don't you, did you not hear? There's blue skies, and then there's just this, this, this one, it's just a small little, what do we want? We want the boom. And sometimes it's a process. And he looked up there. Some of us have given up on our faith, and the answer was right around the corner. Because all we saw was a cloud the size of a man's hand. All we saw was a little thing up there. And we didn't want to trust long enough for it to come to pass. And then it comes to pass, and the rains come. But see, God is not enough. He, he's not going to do just enough to give Elijah glory. He's going to do something with Elijah that's way beyond what a man can physically do. And Elijah... You know, Ahab is on his chariot with horses trying to get away from the storm. Floods are coming, mud everywhere. And Elijah goes, hey, come on. And he runs past the guy with a chariot and two horses. A human being is not able to do that. God is a God of grand finales. 
Why does the world see the church the way it does? Because we haven't taught the, the, the word of healing and this, this uh, healing process to people the way that it should be taught. And we tell them, oh, just come. And sometimes it does happen that way. And we got people in the church 20, 30 years, and they can't even quote a scripture to stand on. Brother Hagen was born with an enlarged heart and, and, and uh, a, a blood disease. 15 years old, raised Baptist. They, they, nothing against the Baptist. It just happens to be where he was raised. And they, the Baptist preachers kept coming to the side of his bed and praying over him to send him to heaven at 15 years old. And he had a Bible next to his bed, and he picked it up to Mark 11, 23 and 24. And this was his word that God gave him. Believe that you receive when you pray, that whatever you ask, whatever you ask, that you say unto this mountain, be thy removed, and you will have what you ask for. He uses prayer and asking. I'm going to end with this, and then we'll cover a little more about, uh, about healing in two, in, on June 11th. But I, Okay, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to hand it over to my wife. Sometimes we need to pray to God. Say, God, I need faith. This is what your word says, right? About healing. I'm talking about healing today. This is what your word says about healing. This is what it says. But see, God empowered us. So sometimes it's not about prayer, but about demanding that thing to leave. Sometimes you need to speak to the circumstance instead of going to God to do something when he already gave us the power to do that. Did you know that you could speak to your body? Did you know that you could speak to disease and get it, make it leave your body? Did you know that you, that's why it says whatever it is that you say, not just pray, but whatever it is that you say, this is not a confession. If I confess enough, then it'll happen. That's not what I'm talking about at all. I'm talking about taking authority with the word that lives inside of you. Right? Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.